Welcome. I am a small, fuzzy, middle-aged woman, unexpectedly named Turl Kronberg. And in the very front of my brain, I have an exceptional little bit that I call the wise turtle. She is the most thoughtful, observant, and compassionate part of me. And this podcast is her platform for speaking to the world. Her aim is to try to understand the patterns of growth in the universe and use those discoveries to help us all uncover the most important, inspiring story of who we are and where we want to go as Earthlings. I hope that you enjoy her musings. Namaste. about. I'd like to explore something um, that I'm still very much in the middle of exploring. I mean, you know, everything I'm always in the middle of exploring, we always are, you know, we never know the complete story. But um, this is something that I, I've been struggling with for a while. And um, oddly, this morning, listened to one of my older podcasts while I was thinking about it, uh, and it turned out I talked about it before, and I mean, I knew I had, but I didn't realize, like, how specifically I had talked about it before, and I gave myself uh, some inspiration in answering my own questions. So, I'd like to talk about one of the most basic things in in existence, which is existence. <laughs> um, specifically, the things. What literally is a thing? I mean, obviously, that's a very fuzzy concept. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you look it up in the dictionary, it'll be pretty imprecise. Um, it'll probably, it might use the word noun. Um, it might use the word physical object. It might use include non-physical objects. Um, Basically, what I want to talk about is everything that exists, but we're not talking about uh, changes. So, there's the nouns and the verbs, basically. We're going to separate reality into those two things. They're, they're the things that exist as an isness, and then there are the things that we talk about our relationships between things and how those things change from point A to point B, whether that's in time or space. So the things themselves, what, what is a thing? Um, and we don't really ever talk about it, we just take it for granted. Until we start questioning uh, something like, what is an I? Who am I? How am I? Am I separate from my body? 
are my thoughts the eye? Is my, is my brain the eye? Is the whole package eye? What is this turl? What is a turl? Um, and there are other turls. Not many, but there are some other turls. I'm named after one of them. Um, hello to person who's probably never encountered me except maybe on the internet when searching for your name. You're out in Ohio, I believe, where I was born. Anyway, um, so these, these things we call things. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that we could talk about it, and obviously we're going to have to use metaphors because there is no, if we're talking about something, it's a, it's a, it's a basic functionality, a basic uh, element building block of reality, um, then we can't talk about it in a, a state above and beyond what it is. We can't give it, we can't put it into a category other than um, parts of reality. So one of the metaphors that I've always liked um, was Alan Watts, I heard first talking about this, and, and I'm sure he wasn't the first, um, or I doubt he was the first, and he certainly wasn't the only one to, to speak of it this way, but the idea of a vortex, um, a spinning vortex of stuff in a larger ocean of something, you know, of, you know, like a tornado is in the air, uh, you know, like there are water vortexes in the water. If you, you know, if you look at a, a stream, a, a fast-flowing stream, you'll see a lot of little vortexes that appear, um, sometimes seemingly out of nowhere, other times, you know, right next to like a rock or something that's sticking out. Anywhere where there, there is a, a, a current bumping into another current and it, it has to bend around itself because there isn't anywhere else for it to go at the time. And... So that's one of the sort of basic ways of describing what a thing is, an individual, a unitary something or other that we can, that we can identify as being separate. So, and now we're getting into territory where we're actually talking about changes in relationships, but this is the individual thing as opposed to the individual as relating to other things. We're talking, we're saying that, yes, it's separate, but that's how we are identifying it, as opposed to the relationship it has with other things. The only the only relationship it has with other things is that it is identifiable from the other things. So that's its only important relationship that we're going to talk about. And the thing is, it's... it's Obviously, it's obviously still connected to the other stuff around it. So the vortex in the water, the little whirlpool that's spinning around, that has um, basically it's it's air on one side and water on the other side. You know, air basically in the center, usually, and water on the outside. But the water is sort of bumping into other water and so it doesn't have anywhere to go so it's kind of contained it's a little you don't you wouldn't say self-contained because it's not containing itself it would like to be free the water wants to flow um, as does the air but the stuff around it the larger space of water 
around this this little funnel shape um, is is forcing the water to not go anywhere it it can't go anywhere and so it just starts circling around itself or it starts circling around the air essentially um, which gets trapped in there too so there's like a little a little funnel of air and a little funnel of water and then the rest of the water um, so it's connected but it is being contained by the external reality so that's one way to think about it um, and another way is to think about thoughts like the meanness um, and like obviously my body has a fairly contained space but my mind does not my thoughts they're partially contained in my brain but my eyes are open right now and I see so many different things. I mean, they're, they're just thousands of individual little things that I could identify, millions maybe, if I really, you know, if I wanted to identify every individual, like every individual little floor plank piece of wood on the floor that makes it up. You know, every individual, they're like screws in the table um, there. I can, I can identify that there's a pattern of fuzzy um, upholstery fabric um, and there's a little pattern of it and they're they're kind of like dots they're little sort of square dots um, and they're you know they're, they're thousands and thousands of them on the little thingy I'm sitting on that sort of ottoman sofa thing that I'm sitting on um, and you know so I could all the things that I'm looking at I could identify you know down to very small pieces even just with my you know, without a microscope. Um, I can see all the leaves on trees. I can see the individual trees. I can see the bricks in the walls of the buildings. And that's part of me right now. That's in me, but it's also out there. It's, I am projecting. And what I'm seeing is real. The information is coming in from outside of me. But then I'm, my mind my my eye goes into my you know the senses go into my eye and go into my brain and then my mind reconstructs it so it's it's kind of like a projector um, it's more like a monitor I think is a better description of it so there's there's information there's data about the the color of the light the wavelength and the, the frequency coming into my eyes and I'm reconstructing it in my brain but it projects it onto what feels like my eyes um, to it you know to our own if we didn't know anything about how brains worked or eyes worked or anything like that it would it would look like it was literally just straight we're just seeing it exactly as is and and like a window like there's nothing being projected or anything except of course it is so there's a fuzzy quality to my mind. My mind is, is, is partly contained inside myself, but it's partly connected to the outside world as well. And of course, I'm speaking right now. And so that's, th those are my thoughts coming out of me and connecting to the outside world. And so they're no longer fully contained. And so there's this fuzziness to who I am. So every time I, I put a word out there, 
there are other things that can hear it. Um, there are the humans, there are, you know, the Ottoman. The Ottoman is absorbing, whatever it is, it's absorbing the vibrations from my voice. And, you know, occasionally there are people walking by who can, you know, maybe just barely hear me. And so parts of me are outside and they're connected to me. And they're, they're somewhat disconnected because once the vibrations are outside of me, um, I can't get them back. They're not, I'm, not, I'm not in control of them. Once it's put out there, I am no longer in control, even if I ever was in control. But they're definitely no longer connected to me in a way that, that I have any kind of power over. Um, I mean, I can put a new idea out there. And if the person or whatever that heard the old idea, here's the new idea, they could change the old idea. They can modify it. Um, but that's only if I'm lucky person, you know, if, if we want to use the term luck or whatever, but, um, you know, that's, that's basically chance. That's random. You know, they, they may not be able to hear it if I say it, you know, 10 minutes later. Oh, wait, you know, I meant to say this. Uh, oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. I made a mistake. So they may hear it. They may not hear it. So, but I don't have control over whether they hear it or not in any, you know, in any sort of large way, meaningful way. I mean, obviously, in, if they're in the same space as I am and they're still there, then I can go up to them and say, hey, or I can email them if they're, or I can make a new podcast and update the information. But, you know, that's not in my control where someone else is. Uh, and uh, if I'm in any control at all. Uh, so, so is that me? Are those ideas that I've put into someone else's head or into the Ottoman? <laughs> I mean, obviously the ideas themselves. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, at MIT, they've in, been inventing all of these sort of sensory systems for computers and robots that can um, that can use indirect information to say look around a corner have a camera that actually can look around a corner and visualize what it looks like indirectly from the bouncing light waves from the reflections the very minute reflections that our human eye can't see um, so there are there are definitely ways that that my information is going into the ottoman um, and could be retrieved by someone else. I mean, the ottoman itself is not. I mean, it's certainly not acting on the higher level information. Um, it if I screamed loud enough, you know, there might be something. Or it, it, if the sound was loud enough, if the vibrations were loud enough, or at a certain pitch, you know, the, there would definitely be things happening that would start vibrating as well and react in that way. But it, it's not going to react on an intellectual level or even a, an emotional level. It's just going to react on a physical level. But those things are out there. So is that me? Is the... If I yell loud enough and not say the Ottoman, but say I you know, my voice uh, wiggles a uh, rubber band or something, or a string on an instrument. If you, if you sing at the same pitch um, as, you know, say a, a, 
an E string on a guitar. If you if you make an E sound, you know, a note uh, with your voice loud enough that the it it'll the string will start vibrating. So, is that me? Is that the string that's vibrating me? Are the ideas that I have put into your head me? How how far does me go? So there's obviously a a very fuzzy quality to what a thing is, what an individual element of reality that we call a thing, a noun, an object, a, an independent-ish entity of some sort. There's obviously a huge fuzzy quality to it, and part of that involves the level of thingness. We could, we could have, I mean, the way I talk about consciousness, consciousness is a thing-ish. Um, we could call consciousness a verb. I think it's better to call consciousness a thing, a noun. Um, there are probably a whole lot of like self-helpy type people and psychology type people who are going to say, oh, you have to think of consciousness as an, an ever-growing, evolving, changing potential. Uh, so it would be a verb, a doing, a being. Um, existing over time. Yes, it, of course it is. But at any given moment, we can look out at reality and say, there is something that is conscious right there. And a second later, it could not be conscious. It could fall asleep. It could die. It could, I don't know, whatever else could happen that would not be conscious. Um, it could be frozen. In which case, it's, that's an edge case. Um, as is sleeping, obviously, because they're different levels of consciousness. I mean, the body is still conscious on a on a semi-emotional, sort of certainly physical kind of way. It's, it's still inputting and outputting things and taking in, you know, sensory data and outputting sensory data sometimes. Um, still talk in their sleep, <laughs> although the, the REM sleep is kind of conscious, semi-conscious. But anyway. Um, So if we if we think of the momentary thing that is conscious right now in the moment at a at a slice of the universe in time, um, we can say that there are different levels of consciousness, right? Like as, as I was saying, obviously that you know sleeping is still partly conscious. The ottoman is, I would say, has zero consciousness or pre-consciousness. Um, because some of the stuff that's in the ottoman might have at some point been part of something that was conscious or might in the future. Um, everything that a human being is, everything that our brain is, everything that any, pretty much everything that we see around us, a tree, a flower, a, a whale, is, came from material that was in a, a star at some point. So was the star conscious? Um, I would say the star was pre-conscious. It was, it was a fetal stage of consciousness. Um, so that parts of it at some point 
reorganize themselves into an emergent property of a a more real in our a very basic sense of conscious and that's the beginning of the levels of thingness i would say so there are there are things that are minimally contained like an atom an atom we have decided is a thing a molecule is a thing um, and it's a material thing it's not even a it's not even an idea thing it's literally a physical thing except that it, it probably isn't or it is and it isn't because we don't actually know or it's not even knowing we don't really have a way to describe the difference between thingness and no thingness and is there a, something else I mean we've talked about like I said we've talked about that uh, the verbs are the relationships between things over time and space or time and or space but what are the things themselves again what is an atom is it just stuff happening it's certainly something that's contained and that goes back to the original idea so that it's something contained but it's you know it's not fully contained because it's you know we talk about these fields uh, the, the gravity gravitational fields and the electromagnetic fields um, and there's then <laughs> we start getting really weird about what is a field so a lot of this has to do with the idea of connection so the containment is we 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 see that some things at some point are stable in a moment like a snapshot you know you take a photograph you can take a photograph of an atom i've seen them they're very tiny little things <laughs> and basically just sort of a glowing spot pinpoint of light um, or dark or you know however they've set it up to image it but so it's something that's contained it's something that is has stopped interacting with the rest of its environment and it is it's obviously still in the environment it doesn't disappeared out of reality it's still in reality with all of the other things in reality but it's separate enough from it it's contained not self-contained it's other contained I guess is the only way to describe it it's being pushed or possibly pulled it could be self-contained and it's possible that it's a little bit of both um, like the whirlpool is not really self-contained I don't think uh, there's nothing pulling the whirlpool together it's being pushed by external forces I believe sort of like a bubble a bubble doesn't you know it doesn't pull itself together well the, the skin of the bubble obviously does pull itself together a little bit but the air inside wants to escape and it's being pushed by the atmospheric pressure but once the skin is gone once the the sep the containment that is being the, the okay the bubble itself let's see the skin of the bubble which technically is the bubble except that we think of the bubble as being what's inside the bubble as well um, so there's a 
there's an interesting way to think about it there that what is the containing is the container the thing or is the thing inside the container the thing or is it both or is it the partly the pressure the thing pushing it from the outside making it into a thing so there are all of these different sort of levels of where you draw the line a bubble is even hard to say whether we draw the line. We are going to include the, if it's a soap bubble, let's say, we're going to include the soap in the bubble. Yes, it's very clearly part of the bubble. Because when it pops, there's no bubble anymore. When the soap goes, well, when this, yeah, when the soap is no longer in the bubble shape, it is not a bubble. Even if the soap is still there. If there's a little puddle, we don't call it a bubble anymore. We call it a puddle. So, we start to see these, these levels of, of how something is contained, what is doing the containing, and how long it stays, obviously, the longer something stays, the more you know, stable it is, the more thingy it is. Something that appears and disappears is you know, almost immaterial. It, it almost doesn't exist but it, it still exists. So it has to do with these connections. When we're talking about something that's not, I mean, I'm saying consciousness is material. It is a thing. It is, an, is a physical object that um, changes over time. But the consciousness itself is, um, and this goes way back to one of my first recordings, my podcasts, um, that I say consciousness is actually a physical record of reality. It's a model of reality. So it's a way of, of taking in, like I said, of my eyes are taking in the sensory information, the wavelengths of light um, and, and frequencies of light coming into my, my eyes. And then my brain makes a model of that stuff, of what I'm seeing. Uh, it gives it qualities that the wavelengths themselves don't have, like red or green or blue. Those qualities are are all a model that I've made, and they aren't. They, they don't actually exist. The the red is not actually red. It's a wavelength of light that my brain is giving a specific quality. So it's making a model out of that. It's saying, okay, I'm going to use this this particular color, this, and, and a color in our, our mind is made up of um, uh, percentages, basically, percentages of different wavelength um, groups, like, you know, categories. So I, I believe we have green, red, and blue. Is that what it is? <laughs> or maybe cyan. I actually don't know. That's bad. I've forgotten what the the, the rod, is it the cones? Yeah, I think it's cones. Whatever the rods and cones, whatever, which one? Um, there's three different colors. And it's not the primaries, and it's not the secondaries, and it's not the, the CMYKs. It's different than all of those. Uh, but there's three of them. And depending on what the percentages are of the, the groups of those colors. Um, so like, Orange isn't one of them, is definitely not one of the cones or whatever rods or cones in your eyes. Um, so orange has a little bit of red and a little bit of yellow, d again, depending on how we're 
talking about light waves, but you know what I mean. So there's a little bit of one and a little bit of another. And so the percentages make up this idea of red. It's like, you know, 20% this and 80% that. But that's not in the reality. That's my map. That's my model. And that model is made primarily through matter. It's, it's the neurons connecting together. So a bunch of neurons have connected in a particular pattern, and that pattern is the model for red. But it's the pattern, and the pattern needs to be recorded in some way for us to be aware of it. Because if we're, if the pattern doesn't exist over time, if it doesn't stay stable over time, then I'm not going to remember it, I'm not going to be aware of it. Which is why we can forget things. We forget all kinds of things. We forget things that we just haven't thought about in a really long time and have not been important. Sometimes they don't go away because the brain isn't, the brain isn't 100% um, like OCD of cleaning things up. It doesn't go around and saying absolutely everything that I've never, I haven't, you know, like sometimes people say, if you haven't used it in six months, you should throw it away or donate it or whatever. Um, it's like, no, no, no. There are things from my childhood that, you know, I haven't looked at in years, but, you know, at some point I would like to look at it again. You know, read a book, maybe. There, there are books that, you know, you, you don't want to read every six months, but, you know, <laughs> you certainly would like to be able to read at some point in the future. And if it's a harder to find book or if you don't have a library nearby or whatever, um, or if it's, a, if it's a special copy that someone gave you and they wrote, you know, they dedicated it to you and said, or not dedicate, but they, you know, they wrote a little a gift note to you inside it. And so you want to keep that particular copy. Um, to remember that time period and remember who gave it to you. So the brain is like that. You know, the brain doesn't go around constantly tidying everything up. So there are plenty of memories in there that, that aren't important and they're, they're antique, um, but, you know, they're still there. And maybe someday you'll just randomly happen upon them, which is, you know, it's nice randomness. Nice to keep things interesting. But in general, everything that your brain models that's important is, is physical. It's a physical storage of a pattern. Now, in theory, you could store things energetically. But I'm going to say that at that point, when you start to do that, it becomes a physical thing. Um, like a laser. A laser is kind of on the edge of something being physical. It it has, I mean, it can be, you know, it's it's quite a, it's, and I don't mean the thing that's shooting the laser, the, you know, I don't I don't mean the actual like machine of it. I mean the the light that's coming f from it, um, the waves, the light waves in a line. You know, that is very physical feeling at that point. So if we coded information into that, which we can, I believe, uh, pretty sure we can, um, we certainly will be uh, in the future, 
if we don't already, um, we can code information into that laser. And so it will be, technically it'll be an energy recording, um, but it is damn physical. If, if it needs to be preserved, if, we're, if that information is still there, then it has to continually be a pattern. So it's like making, um, excuse me, the uh, physical, like like the um, the vortices in the water. Like if you put a rock there to make the vortices, the vortex, um, that vortex will stay there over time. Um, the other ones that just sort of pop up and you know randomly are obviously those would be fleeting memories, <laughs> fleeting thoughts, as opposed to the, quote, the thought that emerges because there's a big rock there. And so that every time that the water goes by, it makes a little vortex. And it basically never goes away, or, you know, occasionally it might go away, but it'll come right back. Um, you know, if there's this disturbance, a wave or something like that, something larger that comes by and disturbs the the flow of water over there, but then it'll come right back when the water goes back to normal. So that's a thing. And it's practically physical because it is independent enough. It is, it is sort of stable enough that we can interact with it in a way that, you know, preserves information. It preserves this pattern. So on the most basic level of consciousness, there is just the pattern. It's just there, the vortex. It's information, but it, it's aware of information. The, um, the vortex in the water is recording, uh, is recording a, a certain change in the environment. If it's a rock, for example, it's saying, oh, the, this, this, I am aware, this vortex is, is basically aware that there is a rock there. Um, and that is the most minimal, again, it's almost pre-conscious, but that's like just on the edge of like what you could say is conscious because it is aware of something, it is reacting to something, it is recording information there. But then to get to a higher level thing, so we, we barely call the vortex a thing. And we're going to barely call a memory a thing. If it sticks around for a little bit, then it's a little bit of a thing. But the higher levels, the longer something sticks around and the more stable it is, the more thingy it is. Which is why the beginning of the universe, I'm going to try to tie this up here, the beginning of the universe was pretty undifferentiated, low entropy, there wasn't a lot of interestingness going on, it was all pretty bland and boring and evenly distributed, um, you know, most of, most of the hydrogen was in one place and most of the whatever else was in another place and the nothingness was kind of over there and then things started to combine. There was an explosion and stuff started to combine in these, what they call, fields. Um, and so we got things that started to, 
flow around itself. And so things started to be contained a little bit more, both by internal forces, the self-contained, the gravitational sort of forces, um, which if you really think about it is the opposite. Gravity is not the self-contained part. Like, uh, you know, we, we always describe gravity as being like a, a rubber sheet and you, you know, there's a dent in the rubber sheet. So things are going to fall into the dent and so the the things themselves are not containing themselves it's the the rubber sheet that's that's forcing them into a certain location um but anyway that there's there's the attractive forces where um so technically the electromagnetic forces are the attractive forces which would be self-contained things i guess like a laser is basically self-contained it if you if you remove the air from around it it's still there. <laughs> That's why we can shoot lasers in space. Um, it is self-contained. It, it wants to be where it is. It wants to stay the way it is, unless you disturb it. So that would be a, an electromagnetic self-contained force. Um, and then there are the, the gravitational forces, which are actually externally and atmospheric forces, things like that. Um, probably are gravitational in nature. Um, maybe there are also the strong and weak nuclear forces which i tend to not think too much about uh, or talk too much about because i don't know too much about them um but basically there are the attractive forces and the repellent forces and so you can have a self-contained thing that contains itself and wants to be like itself and stay together and preserve itself and then we have the things that are other contained that are externally pressured into being contained um and those generally are the less stable things. So things are more thingy <laughs> when there's a gravitational, I mean, when there's an electromagnetic force, I would say, and they're less thingy when it's a gravitational force. But we could, we could talk about that. I don't know. Um, that's not super important to me, but I just throw it out there. So yeah, there are levels of thinginess and it has to do with how things are connected to other things. And it has to do with um, the stability of them. But basically, it's a, it's a containment, some kind of containment. Which goes back to the what am I? What is this thing that is Turl? Of course, it's fuzzy, and there are going to be different levels of what is me. Um, I mean, my reflection in a mirror is both me and not me. So it's very fuzzy. And the higher levels we get of thingness, uh, the more... the more fuzzy we get. So the, the internal... Uh, what do you call it? What did I just call it? The self-contained, um, contracting, uh, attractive forces that keep my body together. The electromagnetic forces that are keeping my body together. Um, that makes me, my body, which includes my brain and all that stuff, very, very me. Very solidly me. I am, I am a very solid object as far as objects go. Um, so I'm a very thingy thing as far as my body is concerned. 
but my consciousness and my thoughts, they're less thingy because they're not held together by electromagnetic waves uh, or forces. They are, they are free flowing, especially once they come out of me, um, which they can do in a variety of different ways. I mean, I, my body sends off, obviously it's electromagnetic, so it sends off electromagnetic forces and there's heat and, uh, and there are all the different um, magnetic things that are you know going on in my body and all the all of the um, all of the things that my body sloughs off you know the skin cells and the um, hair and, and sweat things coming out of my body so um, but the part that uh, the part that is my higher consciousness that extends far further because it's not contained because I'm speaking because I'm writing, because I'm, um, I'm moving in a communicative way. Um, if, you're, if, if you understand the language of you know, physical movement for humans, you know, we, we say so much without ever speaking. We say so much with our hands and our facial expressions um, and our, the way we walk and the way we, you know, the, the way we shrug our shoulders shake our head so all of that communication is part of my consciousness and it's going out there but it's far less thingy but it's still a little bit me because it's still connected to me in a in a symbolic way even if it's not physically connected to me anymore it's not gravitationally connected to I mean it's not um, electromagnetically connected to me anymore um, but it's still a pattern that was connected to me. So it's kind of like a mini-me, maybe. Maybe that's the way to think about it. That instead of thinking that your reflection is you, you think that your reflection is a part of you, a copy of you out there. So maybe there are two things. So maybe there are many, 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 many yous out there, parts of yous out there in the universe doing their own thing. Okay, I'm going to leave you with that. That was a very wandry discussion. But I had fun, and I hope you did too. Um, and if you'd like to give me any feedback, um, as usual, you can email me at thewiseturtle.com at gmail.com um, and you can find my blog where this uh, podcast is posted at turl t-u-r-i-l dot org o-r-g um, which is actually hosted on wordpress but um, you can the forwarding address is turl.org and you can find me on reddit under username turl if you want um, and I have a discord so if you go to my um, my blog, theturl.org, and you scroll down, I believe, to at least the newer podcasts, um, we'll have my Discord listed. This one will as well, I hope, I believe. I will try to remember to do that. It should be in there. <laughs> I guess I just copy it over. Um, but it should be there in some of them anyway, if you don't find it. Um, or you can always email me um, to ask about anything. And yeah, I... Uh, 
I hope you enjoyed the discussion of thinginess and uh, what it means. And I wish you well, and I'll leave you with that. Namaste.